No, they're just running to get inside because it's snowing out. Some kids. Oh, pfft. What? Kids. Kids. What's the matter with kids these days? You know that song? No. Uh, um, <laughs> Paul Lind from I, Bye I Bye know, Birdie. I know Paul Lind. Uh, actually, no, I do know the song because I believe The Simpsons parodied it. Did I ever tell you the um, Paul Lind... Uh, um, never going to get to the Simpsons. We, Paul Lind uh, in the Rockettes dressing room story? No. So Paul Lind is performing in New York, and he uh, this this is a this is told on a Gilbert Godfrey podcast, so I don't know how great this will be. That's fine. But so uh, Paul Lind is performing in New York, and it's at uh, the Radio City Music Hall, wherever the Rockettes are, and he's doing you know he's going to do some kind of performance there. So he comes in, and he's kind of ornery as is, you know that kind of ornery gay guy, you know. Really, really, and. Uh, they say, well, uh, Mr. Lynn, we have something great for you. We have this dressing room uh, where the Rockettes, so you'll have the whole place because they're not going to be there. So you have this whole entire dressing room, and it's yours. And Paul Lind walks in and goes, Jesus Christ, it smells like a cunt in here. And then he pauses for a second and then goes, I think. <laughs> I thought that was pretty great. I thought that was good. I don't do a good Paul Lind, but I thought that was really funny that he said that. Let's start the show. For those who do not know... The biggest wrestling spectacular. Names from all over the country. Former champions, I've never seen anything like it. Eddie Graham, Florida promotion. Vern Gagne, superstar Billy Graham. Road Warriors, Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. Bill Watts, Jerry Jarrett. Dory Funk, Harley Race, uh, Nick Bockwinkel. This is Cigars in Conversation with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. Hello and welcome to Cigars and Conversations, brought to you exclusively by our good friends at All the Gimmicks and iTunes. I'm your co-host Jay Gilke, and I'm sitting here with a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. This man has shared the ring with a who's who of talent that ranges from Marcus Crane to Rockin' Randy, a wrestler, manager, commentator, and a trainer who's contributed essays to wrestling publications and who was once part of a stable called High Society. With 20 years of experience, he is a true renaissance man with unlimited knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, I am speaking of the one, the only, the incomparable, the sometimes jobbery... Derek St. Holmes Esquire. What's up? I'm there to make people stars, baby. I love it. Hey, okay, two things real quick, yes. though, from that intro. Yes. Because I know you wanted to keep going, but I'm going to sidetrack you here. One, um, what was the two things? Marcus Crane, what was the second one? Rock and Randy? Ro- no. The um, High Society? High Society, yes. Uh, that is a perennial name of a tag team that I am always seem to be in, dating back to the uh, early 2000s. Based off the porn magazine. Absolutely. Thank you very Did much. Did I tell this story? No, I just know oh. the porn magazine. Yeah, that's exactly where I took it from. I was so happy. I kind of figured as much when Thank I saw you. that. So yes. I, I'm, uh, yes. What was it? Uh, not Randy Spears. Who's your guy? Uh, well, Jerry Butler. Jerry Butler, that was it. You're the Jerry Butler guy. Uh, uh, very now, great. Now I'm a J-Mac guy. Ta- oh, okay. But Ta- he's getting old. Talk about... Uh, uh, just wait, but Marcus Crane. Yeah. That was one of my favorite experiments on live commentary. What's that? I changed him into the Marcus Crane experience. 
Very nice. That yes. was very similar to the Roddy Piper turning uh, Art Bar into the juicer. Yes. But it was so funny because I was able to use like all of the weird double speak I had learned when I went to that landmark education deal and started yeah. to explain that the Marcus Crane experience as a wrestler, you can't explain him. You really need to experience him. That's really good. You know, and just I would hammer this on live commentary because it, uh, I thought he reminded, I liked, uh, who's the wrestler we did? Oh, um, the Chris Colt. Yes. See, absolutely. Not a jobber. Yeah, he did jobs at the end. Did he? Yeah. Okay. When he was in Portland, that last run in Portland, oh, he was yeah, only there to build people up. Now, keep in mind... By the way, we're talking jobbers again, guys. Yes. Keep in mind, um, sometimes as a promoter, you would build up somebody in order so that... And then they would start losing in order to use their name value to build up somebody else. So you sure. had to not only cycle your names, but kind of cycle your underneath people, you know, so they weren't always beating the same people. Right. You know, wrestling is all about new looks and this, that, and the other thing. So the underneath people are who you would, you would change out. Like Vern would have a carload of guys come up from Chicago this week. And then a carload of guys come up from Milwaukee the next week, you know, and that so was a constant change. And yes. flow. you see it Yeah. now, uh, does that tie into, you had sent me a text, uh, when we were discussing this a little bit, uh, talking about manufactured jobbers. What did you mean by the term manufactured jobbers? Uh, classic example is Jack Hart in Florida, okay. where he was having the streak of where he lost matches, where he lost 101 matches before finally winning his match. Okay. So in that case, you're purposely, you're putting a push behind somebody, but you're doing it by them losing. Did he, uh, did, and, and so it was basically telling the story behind that, the losses. Yes. So was he having competitive matches? Yeah. And so it was competitive. It was almost like just not, the luck wasn't with him. Yeah, it was like the reverse reverse streak from Goldberg. Okay. Uh, another similar version of this is told in Pat Barrett's book, Everybody Down Here Hates Me, uh, which I recommend if you can find it. All the names are changed. It's kind of fun figuring that out. Anyway. Uh, he says he went to a German tournament and he was, he had, he knew he had to lose in a given round. Um, and then as the night would, as the tournament would go on, because tournaments in Germany would be six weeks long and you would wrestle every night in the same building yeah. and live in different hotels outside, uh, that the, it, during his matches, he would hear a smattering of German over the loudspeaker and the people would get very involved in his match, but he would still end up losing. Oh, okay. And finally, he had to ask somebody else, what's going on? He's like, oh, well, your role here is you are always such a loser, but the people, the people are tracking your match, and you are lasting longer and longer each time, and they are getting behind you. Really? Yeah. And so he obviously didn't like that, but it got him over, and that was the role he played for that, you know, for yeah. that tournament. Okay. Uh, similar, Tommy Rich was losing to Abdullah the Butcher, uh, like just lost to him flat out the first week. Lost to him the second week, but as Abdullah was walking away, he reached up and grabbed his, his pant leg, and Abdullah turned around and gave him a kick. Yeah. You know, and then the next week beat him again, but this time Tommy Rich was able to get on his feet before Abdullah left the ring, you know, and so he was losing, but it was all how you were telling the story till finally he got that comeback, and at the end, boom, it popped. Okay, gotcha. You know. And a lot of times, too, it seems like uh, 
the, when also a manufactured jobber episode where you're purposely putting a losing streak on somebody right where they're losing but they're still getting the push right i always and i maybe this might be a little bit off topic but i always loved the um angle the hot shotting of the rock and roll express sure where, where they, they won the titles first night in it, yeah first night and i thought that was pretty cool too but that the same thing though they were considered almost like an enhancement right apart and then together when they came together is when yeah they started they were the the push yeah they needed a second uh b team fabulous ones yeah so i thought that was a but well okay well those guys were doing jobs on memphis tv but at that point ricky morton had already gone to southwest um had his run with ken lucas uh robert gibson had already been in his tag team with his brother and because you know, right. he lived around Pensacola, so like he may have been featured more down there, but up on Memphis, that was just the role they were in until, hey, we've got an idea for you. Yeah, yeah, which is, uh, yeah, it's kind of neat when you ha- see how that ends up playing out, if you can actually find the footage and follow it through right. the way it goes. Um, the Japanese, uh, the Japanese uh, method for years was you would you know, work in the dojo. You, know, you, you trained right. in the dojo system. You were underneath talent on the outside. You got beat up all the time. And then once you started to have some matches and get some experience, then they sent you on the road and sent you to America. Okay. You know, or, or sent you to England. You know, they purposely sent you somewhere else so that you could go become a name there and then come back as a star. And that's okay. You know, so everybody was jobbers in the beginning until they were sent out and able to develop. And then when they were brought back, they appreciated it a lot more. And that's when, so with so many stars from Japan, though, um, were they were they sent out that much? Was it absolutely that, that frequent? It was, yeah. And Bob, you said it was more so all over the world, not so much just well, like Bob, locally to America. Well, Baba was sent to America. I know um, the first Tiger Mask, Sayama, was sent to England. Okay. Uh, numerous people have gone to Mexico. Yeah. You know, so it's just wherever. You know, wherever there was a scene, they would they would farm people out. Was there ever, or even sent over to like even to Hawaii? Was there a formula for time to be away on something like that to build it up, or is it just like organically, however long it took for you to build up? I, I want to say B, but I, d- I don't really know. Sure, way. sure, yeah. And I'm assuming too, there were some guys that came and just they never got the the star, never shined on them, and they weren't able to go back and become anything special, right? Or was it like, did they go away and it was just like, they well, could bring them still back they would have brought you back and tried to do something, do something with, with you. you. Sure. Um, like they did that with Onita. Yeah. Because he did he, Memphis, didn't he? Well, he did Memphis. He did Texas, too. A lot of guys did Texas as well. Okay. Um, and then went back and he was being pushed as a junior heavyweight until he screwed his knee up. Right. And then he was gone until he reinvented himself as the deathmatch guy. Right, right. Okay. No, I could see that. Um, what about East Coast when we talk about jobbers? East Coast, let's see. Moving on up, uh, one of my favorite jobbers uh, that I remember is the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. Okay. Pete Doherty, oh, fantastic. Uh, I can't even do it. <laughs> if you've never heard the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty on commentary, stop what you're doing and YouTube it right now. Oh, really? Because it's, it's like, like a cheese grater is singing at you. It's where it's was incredible. he? Where was he popular? Uh, he was in New York. Okay. Now I know him as a jobber. Yes. Like because I saw him lose in, in the TV of that time, but then all of a sudden in Backlund's book, puts him over as a really good hand again that just stayed local. Oh really? Yeah. 
Okay. So again, used as jobber on the national TV you saw, but on the private scene, you know, was Did very good. Thing. Right. Uh, classic example of that is Johnny Rods. Yes. Uh, always, you know, always lost his match on TV, quote unquote, but was also used as a policeman for the Fed. Uh, when you came in your first night in, you had to do a job for Johnny Rods, and then in back. Like the bosses would be sitting there, and Johnny would come through the curtain and give him either a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and that would be okay. That would be what would happen. Chicken or the egg with Johnny Rods, because he did he opened a wrestling school, right? Absolutely. So uh, I'm I'm assuming wrestler for quite a while before the wrestling school. Absolutely. Was it, wasn't simultaneous. He wasn't still wrestling when he had the wrestling school. Sure. He was okay. Yeah. And um, absolutely, he was okay. But you also had. You had other schools there was there. You had um, Larry Sharps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Sharp, another guy. Oh, he's just a jobber on TV. No, previous to that, part of a push tag team in New York, you know, went on the road all over the place. Yeah. So uh, it's, you'll you'll pigeonhole somebody as a jobber from the footage or the view that you have of them, but again, you don't have their entire career. And hence, that's why I don't like using that term so much right i don't because i don't feel i mean i'd say it's not respectful but you're right like that is part of the part of the job was to be a jobber well some of the uh i'll cop to using the term but i use it more in a derogatory fashion when i want to yeah denigrate somebody and most of the time you do with yourself i've noticed oh yeah well i don't like you know right which i mean it's fine at this point i'm just happy to be around just just happy to get that uh um little rub uh two things one i recently purchased yet another pair of boots yes but they were an incredible deal off of ebay so i was very happy about that two um i or a friend of mine was doing the dr x gimmick yes and i tried it i did have a pair of white tights that i bought a long time ago so i tried wearing the white tights with the black trunks and the black you know long sleeve top yeah and it doesn't work. I think what I would have to do is get a white long sleeve top, and I don't know if that's a cost I'm willing to incur at this point. Sure, yeah, no, that but makes sense. this is the third time I've talked about it with somebody, and that really scares me. Okay, so yeah, so you're yeah, you're feeling that a little bit, like you kind of yeah, want to get it. Like that's that's gonna that's gonna run at least 150 bucks. Hey, when uh, speaking <laughs> of outfits, yes, and when you saw a lot of the masked men that appeared as jobbers sure if you will um were those more than often or more often than not were they just other jobbers that had already appeared and were under a mask or were those actual name guys going under the mask and working to job uh oh this is a large question and it doesn't yeah like the answer doesn't apply to anywhere else um both okay i mean in in the sense of uh, sometimes, let's not forget, uh, hey, I'm traveling through the area with my family and I'm going to be in town on the day you do job, you know, you do TV. Right. Can I come down and do jobs under a mask? Sure. Come on down. Boom. We've got a Black Panther on the show today. Sure. You know, so that could be person X, but they're just making a few bucks. Right. Right. You know, so you had that. You had some people that didn't want to be recognized because they had, you know, like jobs a real as a job, teacher right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't go in. Or or they wanted to, you know, protect whatever, quote-unquote, notoriety they had on the circuit by, 
not doing jobs on TV. Now, this has led, especially when the WWF expanded, this led to a lot of issues around the country. Primarily, when the WWF went through Indianapolis um, and Bruiser's territory was on its last legs, like mm-hmm. their heavyweight champion and tag champions went and did jobs at the WWF taping in oh, Indianapolis. Yeah. So they got like a lot of heat for that, but they also made 10 times what they were going to make on these other shows. So right, right. like I understand it, but oh, we can't have our champs losing over here. And, Does it, you, know. uh, you brought him up before, um, Trevor Adonis is a good example, I think. Sure. As somebody who... Um, who wrestled as Jim Evans. Right. And so uh, even though he did the Jim Evans thing and the exposure on television was him losing, he was still able to work locally and almost be like a star attraction Absolutely. in this area. Absolutely, because he's a phenomenal worker. Yeah. And yeah. it never... Um, it never impeded anybody or never slowed anybody down when it came to like the independent scene or the outlaw scene, uh, when they worked those shows, even though people saw them, there was no, because they were on TV. I saw you on the TV. Sure. So, and then it it didn't matter whatsoever. Gotcha. So quick, um, taking a tour. Did you ever wrestle Trevor Adonis? Oh yeah. Okay. Slap the shit out of me. Yeah. Uh, Well, but he also did that. He did that if he liked you. Oh, yeah. You'd be standing in a bar talking to somebody, all of a sudden, crack across your chest. It's like, God damn it. How you doing, Trevor? Hey, kid. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Nice. Rest in peace, Trevor. Uh, Let's see. Running around the country, you had jobbers in Montreal. Uh, uh, Here's a good jobber in uh, Detroit was uh, Porky Pig Mike Loren or Porky Pig Loren. Okay. Who did jobs on TV as a you know, barefooted hillbilly wrestler, but he was also the Sheik's private bodyguard. Oh, okay. So, yeah. you know, mess with him and you'd probably get shot and die. Right. You know, right. Stuff like that. Right. So there's that. Um, let's see, going down to Bruiser's territory in Indianapolis, WWA, there was uh, Bobby Golden. Okay. I think, I can't remember, but that was known... There's a crowbar, crowbar press book. Gosh, I can't remember the name of it now. It has a pink cover, uh, but it's written by like an indie level wrestler in the mid '60s in the Indiana. In, Indiana oh, okay, area. yeah. Um, oh, now it's pissing me off. I can't think of that. I've had I've had a spate of that today. I can't That's think okay. Of things. That's okay. Uh, good book from Crowbar Press. That shouldn't be odd. Um. I think it's Bobby Golden who went on to do jobs for the the, the bruiser. Um, going back over to the Carolinas and Atlanta, you had the local guys that were coming in from the local wrestling schools. Um, the North Georgia Wrestling Alliance. Uh, that That's the auction barn where um, Marcus Alexander Bagwell trained. Yeah. Trained under Steve Lawler. So, like, those guys would go to Atlanta for TV, you know, like the bookers for these TV, the people putting together these TVs would had their contacts in the different areas and say, hey, can you bring in a carload of guys? Gotcha. So that's there. Going down to Florida, you had Jimmy Backlund, who later turned into Gigolo, Jimmy Del Rey. Okay, yep. Dead. Um, Is he dead? Oh, yeah. Yeah, died of a heart attack a few years ago. I think. So. Uh, uh, maybe, Raul Mata. I want to come back to that. I believe yes. two years ago, three years ago. When I used to play video games, and I would still get like the WWE game that came out. Okay. 
one of my uh, favorite uh, downloadable characters that somebody made was Jimmy Del Rey. He looked, I like Jimmy Del Rey. Looked really good, and I used him in a lot of different because uh, you could like book Raws and Smackdowns and such. And he was uh, a focal point because I thought it was kind of funny because he was like the southern buffoon in my thing but he was like he's a good worker still getting the, the win so yeah so i'm sorry who were you talking about um you said like i heard Mahama, an, i've Hama? heard an, an alleged rumor about why he lost his job with the fed but we can't tell that on the air why not because oh. we can't okay fair enough um write that down raul mata like if florida would get a lot of guys coming from either puerto rico or you know the hispanic contingent that yeah. was in that area uh, but they would all go into the sportatorium. And again, that was controlled. Um, you know, especially Eddie Graham wouldn't let anybody on his TV that he didn't have some some sort of control over. Okay, yeah. Uh, if <laughs> then if, if new guys he didn't know wanted to come in and be jobbers, he would decide, you know, hey, either come here, come down to the sportatorium, and we'll see what you got. And then you get your, right, you know, get your get ass your, handed to you, get right? Your leg broke or whatever. Uh, let's see, going over to the Von Erics, uh, their underneath talent was usually older wrestlers. Yes. Um, you know, older wrestlers hanging on, just getting a paycheck. Would or, that be like, uh, and I, you know what? I'm sorry. I was going to uh-huh. say, I was going to say, but then I'm going to stop myself, but I'll still say his name just so you can say no. Uh, Killer wow. Tim Brooks. He wouldn't have been considered a jobber. At, no, in, in, um, no, no. He would have been, class. he would have been considered more a carpenter. Gotcha. Like he wasn't necessarily going to get pushed, but he was there to play a role to get somebody over. Okay. Gotcha. Now, uh, we talk about TV is one of the things that brought the jobber to the forefront, so yes. to speak. Uh, what about Muchnick with Wrestling at the Chase? Was um, Sure. So he had, that was... Well, uh, of course, his underneath guys on Wrestling at the Chase, a lot of time were the weekly Kansas City talent. Sure. Or, you know, the people that were doing underneath on there. Right, right. Okay. Like Art Cruz. I think the problem for what I've seen uh, of footage from wrestling at the chase has pretty much been name against name. Yeah, but that's what you're looking for. Um, Well, that's what I'm saying. Like every tape I've seen or all the stuff I've seen is usually uh it's that. So I've never really actually experienced it with them working some kind of an enhancement talent. Sure. So um, what about uh, Out West when we're looking at like That's where I was going. Uh, Amarillo. Uh, well, you know, Amarillo I want to go to because they had a guy called the Turk. Okay. Which I, well, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about Amarillo. I'm talking about uh, San Antonio because I'm thinking of uh, Blanchard's deal. Sure. They had the Turk who was a short, rounder guy. Okay. But he had a big mustache, so he was a Turk. So he was Turkish. <laughs> As one does. Um, But again, the, in that area, well, in that particular milieu, uh, the underneath talent was more skilled. Yeah. So there were more competitive matches on TV. You know, the name still went over, but they had to fight for it. And that was a, um, you know, the whole booking philosophy of, I have to make you look good because then when I beat you, I beat somebody as opposed to right, just right. falling down. Um, so we zip on over to the Olympic. Uh, lots of underneath talent were primarily Hispanics, but some people would argue that towards the end, all they had was jobber talent yeah. because Mike LaBelle didn't want to pay to bring anybody in sure, towards the sure. end. And blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, San Francisco had its cast of characters. 
Uh, I know Ron Pope was around there briefly, who became Zulu. Who yep. he was later known for racial stuff. Um, uh, who's the bodybuilder? Jerry Monte was okay, used yep. underneath in right. San Francisco. Right. Uh, yeah, all sorts of names, and people would. There would also be cases like where Pedro Morales, who was the champion in New York, went to the Carolinas and was used as underneath talent. And put oh, people okay, over. sure. And he also same yeah. thing in the AWA. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't get over. In both of those cases, it's unknown if they were going to be allowed to get over because there could be the perception there weren't enough of Puerto Ricans in that area them, to right. really For push demand. that right. talent. And of course, you can't say he's Mexican and you know all this right, other stuff. Right. Uh, Pacific Northwest, known for its homesteaders. Um, Rip Oliver was there as a name for a while. Yeah. He did jobs for the Fed and did jobs in Texas, but you know, a name in his home Fed. Absolutely. Uh, also had wrestling schools and such that generated underneath talent there that went on and then went on to go on to better things. If you um, every area, every area right. had their you know their feeder system and right. how they they fed people when you look at some of these guys i guess one of them too and uh, uh were there anyone you could think of as far as i could think of uh, maybe a couple in my head that were essentially started out as feeder guys or jobber guys that ended up getting pushed a little bit more for instance i would like to think that pistol pez watley upon uh, a lot of his first appearances was losing a lot and then ended up kind of getting the crowd behind him. They ended up giving him a little bit of a push. He ended up doing the Shaska Watley and all of that, the jive tones, all that kind of thing. Um, Can you think of any in your head that that happened to? Well, I just want to point out Pistol Pez that you're you're knowing him from his time in WCW, but previous to that, he was one of the tag team champions for Pafo's deal. Got okay. You know, so again, another so right, so, fed, but, he was But pushed. Renegade, no television. He's part of the Pafos deal. Right, right. And then well, goes there, up there does the does a lot of jobbing yeah, out. But then he the, went over to the Carolinas. Uh, he lived there, though. Okay. He wound up getting a job in the office. Yeah. but And then able to like build off of that. Yeah. Um, but that still seems like that's fairly uncommon. There's, I mean, a handful of guys like that where you can give a name like a Johnny Rods or some, you know, or some of those guys. Well, again, just be, shot your Pez Watley, even though he was underneath talent was still known to the boys and known as a talent that could produce. Sure. Who's vastly different from Joe Blow. Who's got trunks and tights right. on getting beat up by Buzz Sawyer on the <laughs> right. Saturday right. morning television. Would you, that's like, an example of, uh, I want to talk about how dangerous it was to be a jobber in well, some of these times. That's what I was going to just Them ask and you the about Steiners it. and the road warriors. Yeah. It was just ruthless. Uh, they just didn't care. Right. I mean, and these guys are gassed to the gills and on who knows whatever. And, I'm going to beat the F out of you, boy. And if you don't like it, you know, there like was they that, say in England, if you don't like it, go get a job. Well, there was that footage that just went around a couple of weeks ago of, I think it was Bobby Eaton suplexing the guy on the cement. Yeah. On one of those, and I mean, and it was like a splat. Yes. So I'm saying so. I uh, but I, I, I in no way think that was a shoot. No, I, I think don't think he probably shoot, said, "Do you I mind think... if I suplex you on the floor?" Right. And, but I mean, not and, during and, the match. But right, right. But I'm saying that. that I mean. You can tell there's very there's no handle with care going on in any of those. There's a lot of people just getting thrown in and around. And oh, okay, I agree with what you're saying. I still don't agree with Bobby Eaton. 
I mean, I saw the footage. Yeah. I think that may have been hit a little harder, but I'll bet you anything both of those guys were okay. Sure. Because that's Bobby fucking Eaton. Right. No, I get it. No, <laughs> but absolutely. then you've got Buzz Sawyer throwing, putting somebody in a press slam and throwing them out over the top onto the floor. Like, right. that's a little, hey. It's scary. I mean, yeah. some of that stuff is truly scary when you um, watch it. Uh, Ike Andrews, who's a local guy that was a cop here for a while, mm-hmm. um, went and did jobs with Trevor and those guys. And unfortunately, he drew uh, Scott Hall or Razor Ramon right after he won the title. Yeah. And uh, he's like, sorry, kid, I got to stay strong. And it came to that Razor's edge, and he just planted him on the back of his head. Really? Yeah, he's the fucking jobber. Yeah. I got to look strong, kid. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's like that, the Steiners, there's... I have to get the story straight. I know I've mentioned this of uh, Farmer Vic and Eric Freedom having to do the job to the Road Warriors, but Eric Freedom was afraid to do that, so he was trying to hide in the shower. They kept saying, where's Freedom, where's Freedom, until somebody ratted him out. He's in here. Really? Yeah. That's pretty great. <laughs> there was a, another one that I had. Turbo just, Eric Freedom. Uh, I was watching um, uh, just a kind of a tape of a lot of different things. There was the one... I forget it was might have been uh, when it was Sid and uh, Spivey. I Nancy? Think. No, not Spongy. Oh, uh, it was skyscrapers where they beat the crap out of that one that guy because he wouldn't sell. Yeah. For them, and you just wonder like, what are some of these people thinking? Yeah. When they just, get in there, like just not knowing anything. Have you ever seen that, Kyle? No. It's pretty. Yeah, great. It, it's yeah. worth it because they beat the crap out of this. Yeah, because he won't sell. Like they're hitting him, and the guy. Uh, like, they, keeps... They're hitting him every time he they knock him down. He stands right back up. Yeah. And, and it, I, I've read, I think, in the YouTube comments, like some people are saying he wasn't trained. He was trained. He wasn't trained. You know, he had a concussion. He didn't have a concussion or you right. know, whatever. But it was just what's real funny on that little clip is the reaction of the fat tubby guy that's with him. Yes. And like he won't sell. He won't sell. He tags out. The other guy comes in. He's like, I'm willing to work with you. And they're like, you're good. Don't worry. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and at the end, um, just for you, Kyle, because you haven't seen it, because everybody watching this has seen it. They beat the crap out of this guy. He keeps standing up. Finally, they get the three count. One, two, three. They just grab the other guy and throw him right out of the ring. Just like, here here you go. And this guy's like, yep, boom, I'm out, boom. And then they go to knock the other guy out of the ring, and he gets back up till finally they just beat the shit out of this yeah, guy. It's pretty, it's pretty great. But now, okay, so we're laughing about this. <laughs> But especially in the YouTube comments and in the current climate, everybody's saying, well, the skyscrapers are so unsafe for doing that. And why would you, they're taking advantage of those guys and this, that, and the other thing, and blah, 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 blah. So all I have to say to that is sure, but it's wrestling. It's wrestling. It's wrestling. It's going to be, there's, there's still that element. Yes you're, yes, you're supposed to trust your opponent, but when you're disrespected like that, you have to take measures. Is there a better way to do it? Sure. But when you're in front of the people and the illu- you know, this person is breaking the illusion you're trying to portray, yeah, right. I'm going to resort to drastic measures to do that too. And there's quite a bit of that on there, Kyle, if you ever want to see. Like, there's a lot of... And, I mean, there's you get to that point too where you do kind of say as a viewer, you go, well... I mean, it, the star of the match, the guy that's getting over here, like, I can understand his frustration, but sometimes they go from zero to 1,000 in a matter of seconds. And um, just from watching a lot of the um, Saturday night 
NWA stuff that's on uh, the network, you really realize how short how much those, cocaine. How much cocaine was on? Yeah, that's for sure. But like, but how short some of those matches? Yeah, just. Magnum TA coming to the ring, the bell rings. He gives the guy a, the belly oh. to belly, and then it's done. Like just like they're like Incidentally, not even taking anything. We got called out on our love of Magnum TA today. Oh, we did. I will talk to you off offline about that. But somebody claims we suck Magnum's dick too much. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm a little depressed. It's gonna, it's gonna get real, man. Well, that's okay. We I never said he was the best. Just said he was right person, right time. Time, right? No, absolutely. Not even Pally. like my favorite wrestler. Yeah. Take that, jerk. I mean, come at me about the new breed asshole, but don't come at me about oh, Magnum T.A. Ooh, ooh. Oh, recently, Les Thornton, R.I.P. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that made me sad. Um, w- uh, yeah. When was that? Last week. Yes. Uh, so. Hey, speaking of R.I.P., we're going to call this one. Uh, did we cover everybody we needed to cover? I think we did a pretty good job. Talk about Tom Stone. This is a little... Uh, Kenny Sodbuster J. Yeah. Got Why the name Sodbuster? because yeah. he, because he was actual lawn maintenance guy. Yeah, pretty good, right, Kyle? Yeah. So Vern's, Vern's guy taught him how to wrestle, and there you go. And no one ever questioned it. It was like, oh, yeah, Sodbuster. Well, no, they said he was... They, a couple times they'd be yeah. like, oh, that yeah, from moving his sod around or And he whatever. drove a snowplow, too. Did he really? Yeah. The snow, well, because, yeah. Because they didn't. Where was Kyle when the AWA was around and he could have came up with Snowbuster? I believe we've established Kyle was a stain during that time. Yes. Not even a thought at that time. Yeah, well. Well, very good. Hey, uh, Derek, this is good. I'm glad we're back. We're going to, now that Kyle's kind of getting back in the uh, swing of things here, we should be able to land some more of these episodes fairly quick. Right? Right. I'm just trying to think of other jobbers we should mention. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think someone's going to come mean, up with it, some. There's yeah, a million of them yes, out there. Yes, yes. And we didn't get to your favorite. So Who's sorry. that? No, I'm just saying to everybody we've oh, listened yes. to. Oh, yes. We didn't get, uh, we didn't um, get to your favorite. So, you consider sorry. Italian Stallion a jobber? Uh, Well, again, yes, but a name in the little right. indie circuits. Yeah. I mean, that that's... That's what getting into wrestling showed me that there's not like any static role for any one person. Right. Some people are clueless enough that they're always. Are we really running out of time? I'm getting. We're actually running out of tape. Don't signals. don't worry about it. We're good. We've gotta got about do, three minutes left. Oh, I got to do the old ranting Ray Stevens interview. Blah 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 yes. until the tape runs out. No, I think the that reason it, they call it the Cow Palace is because of the women they got out there. So they um. I mean, yes, there's so many drivers. Everyone's going to have their favorite, the person that yes, they like. But every TV area had their own their own circle. So every in everybody's area where they grew up, they've got their affectations for their their own jobbers, their own. Right. Like, and they were needed. They're, yes. They were needed parts of the business. Yep. And the business couldn't be the way it is without them. Um, Just to log a hand grenade over the fence here, I did recently get asked the question of... If wrestling came out much earlier in its development that it was a show, would it still be the business it is today? I, I tend know. to think not, but it's a subject yeah. for a good three-hour car ride. Yeah, that really is, actually. Yes. I agree. And Answer, on that, no. On that note, I'm going to go hop in my 30-minute car ride to get back home. This has been fun. I'm going to walk about 500 feet. <laughs> yes. Uh, off a short pier. Oh, why don't you dry up and blow away, eh? Hey, all right. 
Uh, this Your mother wears combat boots. has been Cigars and Conversation, brought to you exclusively at all the gimmicks and iTunes. It's good to have Kyle back you know, the in the city. Adam, when I was growing up. Glad that Derek's no back. Rag stock. And uh, when that was cool, <laughs> cool boho chicks that smoked outside. All right, tapes running out. We'll see you guys easy. next time. Peace.